Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 265. We're going to start comparing my early rookie rankings with the rookie rankings of the pros at DLF. Now, last week I talked about 10 players that I liked more than the guys at DLF, Dynasty League Football, if you don't know what that is. And this week, I intended to write or t- and talk about uh, 10 players that I like less than the pros at DLF. However, there are only seven players that I liked five spots less than DLF. That's kind of the cr- criteria that I created. Players that I like five spots less and really just only among the top 36 players. So when that was the case, there was only seven. So today we're just going to talk about seven. Just as a reminder, I'm recording this podcast on Saturday, February 24th. So the great analysts over at DLF may have since adjusted their rankings, and I too may have adjusted my rankings uh, before putting out this podcast. So keep in mind that as of uh, February 24th, that's when I recorded this, and there were seven players that I had ranked at least five spots lower than the analyst at DLF among the top 36 players anyway. First one, let's get started, is Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. Uh, I have Thomas ranked 16th. While DLF has him ranked 8th, so 8 spots differences there. I fully expect it to be lower on Thomas than most Dynasty analysts because I'm lower on Thomas than most NFL analysts who actually believe that he's going to get drafted in the first round, which I find hard to believe. Uh, he has the pedigree, of course, with a 4-star recruit to LSU, but he really underperformed his first two seasons before this breakout year that he had last year, only while Jaden Daniels was there as his quarterback. He just had 59 catches, so not a whole lot, and 70, 702 yards and seven touchdowns in his first two seasons combined. So 700 yards on 59 catches in his first two seasons. Well, this junior year with Daniels as the Heisman-winning quarterback, he erupted for 68 catches for 1,170 yards and 17 touchdowns. That's the incredible part right there. More than doubling his production in his first two years combined. He also averaged 17.3 yards per catch and made his living downfield as a big receiver that burned people with his speed. Well, here's the deal. I'm just lower on Thomas because I value speed and downplay ability less than others do. In fact, sometimes I actually see it as a red flag when teams want to invest in a guy just because they're fast and win with, you know, just plays down the field, just with, with uh, go routes. Most of his big plays and touch turns were on simple go routes where he just ran faster than the weaker defensive backs that he was playing against. He's not going to be able to do that as often in the NFL. I will admit that he's excellent at the catch point, makes some incredible concentration catches against defensive backs and really good against the sideline. Um, So I'm going to give him credit for that. However, I just like receivers that win with route running quickness and smarts because I think that translates better to the NFL quality, against NFL quality athletes, that is, um, and the NFL schemes. I'm definitely not going to draft Thomas if other analysts out there have him ranked as a first-round pick in rookie drafts. I'm not going to draft him in the first round, so I'm probably going to walk away with none of Thomas. I like him. I knew I was going to be a little bit lower on him than others. I have him at 16 where they have him at 8. I just have my concerns for the way that he wins and that he only had one really strong season uh, in his under his belt. Next player I have some uh, rank lower than the pros at DLF is Keon Coleman. I have Coleman ranked number 22 overall in my rankings, 
while DLF has him number 10, so 12-spot difference. Again, they see him as a first-round pick. I see him as a back-end of the second-round pick. I was actually really surprised to see Coleman ranked in the first round by DLF guys uh, when I'd really only take a chance midway or really at the end of the second round. Um, you know, we all know that Coleman burst onto the scene in his first game with Florida State after transferring from Michigan State. If you were there and you watched it, he had three touchdowns in that game against LSU that was on opening night, a Sunday night game. So it was the only college game on and the whole world was watching. And that one game, I think, just tainted everyone's glasses for the rest of the season. Uh, Coleman, if you don't know, was just far too inconsistent to be trusted, I think, as a first-round rookie pick. I think NFL teams are actually conflicted about where to draft him, too. All the draft people that I'm following don't believe that he's going to get drafted in the first round, so I don't know. Uh, seven times this season, he had under 50, 54 yards or fewer receiving, and only four times this year did he have more than 54 yards receiving. So up and down, very up and down. The NFL mock draft database actually does have him projected right now to be a very end of the first-round pick, but I think that he's going to fall in the NFL draft because of his inconsistency in college. Um, I only think it may maybe save him, as it, and I think it probably will, is that he's going to test pretty well. He is pretty freaky athletically, so it's possible that after the NFL Combine, the eyes of the NFL and Dynasty Scouts are going to rise in the next week. But I'm just not willing to rise a player who only had 50 catches in his final season. Yeah, I mean, that's not a first-round draft pick, in my opinion. He's not going to move up my draft, draft board too much, no matter how well he tests next week in the Combine. I place too much value on consistency and positive progression throughout the years, and he was just inconsistent, and he didn't really positively progress, whether it was Michigan State or Florida State. And so I just don't think he actually even had a true, true, true breakout year like so many other breakout uh, years that guys have had in this class. So I'm definitely going to be lower on Keon Coleman than most Dynasty analysts and probably won't be drafting him. Remember, these are my super flex rankings, so the next few players I list here are quarterbacks. Uh, first is Bo Nix. <clears throat> I have Nix ranked 23rd in my super flex rankings, while DLF has him ranked 13th, so a 10-spot difference there. This 10-rank difference surprised me because I actually do like Bo Nix. I thought I had him ranked you know, pretty pretty well. I think that he's actually going to get a chance to compete for an NFL starting job immediately if the right team drafts him. Um, and if he is, I think I will move him up in my rankings. Uh, thing with him, though, is I just ding him most in my rankings because of the Oregon offense. It's one of the least compatible with NFL offenses, and he only thrived in college as a college quarterback once he was put into the Oregon's simple and very productive system. At Auburn, he, he had a 57, 59, and 61% completion rate his first three years at Auburn. And then his completion rate skyrocketed to 71 and 77% in his last two years at Oregon. So like I said, his scheme just gets guys open for easy targets. Uh, he gets credit you know, for taking what he can get you know, within that scheme. I'll give him credit for that. But uh, I just have questions about how much his college trans, uh, production will translate to the NFL. And if NFL, NFL teams do too, then he could slide in the draft to the late round first round pick. And if it's a late in the first round, he's going to get selected probably just to be a placeholder, like a, a guy that's going to kind of back up a veteran quarterback with maybe a chance to play in the future. And that would knock his dynasty value quite a bit. We all know that every year, one or more first round draft picks, uh, particularly quarterbacks, just becomes a bust in the NFL. And so I'm confident in the first four in this class, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and for me, J.J. McCarthy, very confident in those four. I don't think they'll be a bust, but I have concerns when it gets to these second-tier guys here, which brings me to the next guy on my list, which I'll mention briefly, uh, be Michael Penix Jr. Uh, I have Penix ranked number 26, while DLF has him ranked 18th, so eight spots uh, difference there. Again, I have Penix a few spots behind Knicks because I believe that he's going to be the sixth quarterback drafted in this class, and I don't think he's going to have a chance to compete right away for a starting position. 
I see him as a solid career backup quarterback, you know, so I'd only really take a chance on him, you know, early in round three in a super flex draft and not not at all in a one quarterback league. Um, you know, he had an incredible fifth and sixth year seasons at Washington. Uh, he's older, older, obviously, played six years. Still, yeah, I think it's an excellent offensive system that really inflated his stats and arguably, additionally, having the best wide receiver group in the whole country last year at Washington. Um, his below average quarterback play at Indiana in production at Indiana for four years before transferring to Washington. Washington. Um, that's where, you know, conditions were just made perfect for him. His uh, years of play at Indiana have me too concerned to draft him higher than the third round in rookie drafts, even in super flex leagues. Now we can move on to some running backs. The next two, <clears throat> Bucky Irvin. Uh, I have Irvin ranked number 35, where DLF has him ranked number 24, so an 11 spot difference there, pretty big. Um, I expected that I would be uh, lower on consensus than Irving because I just prefer backs that are bigger, have bigger frames. Uh, Sports Reference lists Bucky right now at 5'10", 190 pounds. I'm definitely going to wait to see how he weighs in at the NFL Combine next week. It's true that he's a great pass catcher, extremely quick, shifty, and actually a pretty tough runner for his size. I'm just concerned that his size and his talents won't really match in the NFL as they did compared to playing in the Pac-12 where he just had a lot of open space with those defenses. <clears throat> I already mentioned how the Oregon offense does not translate well for NFL at the quarterback position, but that affects the running back position too. And there's no denying that Bucky's 56 receptions last season is fantastic. I think it just inflated a little bit by Oregon and their scheme that just gets guys open to those short passes. An NFL team, you know, is likely going to draft Irving with a very specific role in mind, uh, particularly in the passing game, and that's good for him. But I think it's going to take a lot for him to be able to become a great producer in fantasy with a limited role like that. I think he's going to help an NFL team early in his career, but it won't necessarily help a dynasty team. Uh, he's projected to get drafted in the third round, which is pretty high uh, for a guy his size. If he lands with a creative team with lack of depth at running back, then I'm definitely going to move him up a little bit in my rankings. But it's going to take kind of the perfect landing spot for me to move him up too much into the second round. Right now I have him at 35. There's just too many wide receivers and some of the bigger running backs that I'd rather draft ahead of him. We'll see what happens with draft capital in that regard. Next running back would be Marshawn Lloyd, I have Lloyd ranked 48th, while DLF has him ranked 30th, so a pretty big difference there of 18. <clears throat> Lloyd had a solid pedigree as a four-star running back, ranked 8th as the 8th running back in his recruiting class and 88th overall in his recruiting class. But still, he just never produced at South Carolina and only improved marginally, just barely improved statistically at USC after transferring there last season. His uh, lack of production and the fact that he never really had a breakout season make me just unwilling to draft him as high as 30th. You know, where breakout seasons, you know, are, are important, and I would not draft him as high as 30 when he's not really had one. Uh, this running back class is definitely difficult to rank. It's the most difficult to, in years, I think, especially once you get past the first tier. I think draft capital and landing spot are really going to shake up the rookie rankings more than ever, uh, and more than in recent years. Right now, NFL Mock Draft Database projects Lloyd to be a fourth-round draft pick, uh, making his path, you know, to being a future starter uh, pretty difficult. I'd instead take a chance on players who have had highly productive careers, even though they were at smaller schools. So like right now, for instance, I have uh, uh, Dylan uh, Lobby from New Hampshire and Ka Ka uh, Kimani uh, Vidal from Troy ranked ahead of Lloyd just because they've had incredible seasons and productive college careers. I just value production over pedigree when it comes to this stuff. And we'll see. Maybe the NFL teams will do too, and some of those guys that went to lower schools will get drafted ahead. Again, draft capital is going to shake this up a lot, but... I don't think I can move Lloyd up very much, particularly if he gets drafted in the fourth round. 
And then finally, <clears throat> this one I'm actually going to correct. Part of the reason I do this process is to improve, and I think I found something wrong with my process on this last player, Jalen McMillan, wide receiver for Washington. I have McMillan right now ranked 46, where DFL has him ranked 29th, so pretty big disparity of 17 spots there. I was surprised to see Washington's third most productive receivers, a third wide receiver three on that team, uh, so high, highly ranked by DLF. Yeah, and he had you know a productive third season at Washington season, but the way I looked at it statistically, statistically was he was significantly surpassed by Jalen Polk last season or so I thought after doing some research as to why they maybe had McMillan ranked so far ahead of me um, I discovered that McMillan actually missed a considerable part of the season I don't watch every single college football game so I, I miss things like this but looking at his game log I realized that McMillan missed basically from mid-September to Thanksgiving and that's probably why Polk surpassed him as becoming the wide receiver two at Washington but once he returned just about Thanksgiving time, he contributed significantly during the Huskies' playoff run. He had 131 yards in the Pac-12 championship game, had a, ten, had a touchdown in each of the two Huskies' playoff games. So I also learned that he was projected to be a third-round draft pick, which I hadn't put him into the mock draft analyzer. So learning those things and then comparing my rankings, like I said, with other with other uh, dynasty analysts is one of the ways that I help discover things that I missed. And I missed that McMillan missed a good bit of time, and he probably could have stayed as a wide receiver too and Polk really didn't pass him up. So maybe I missed out on that. That's always why I do this process, because you can learn from the class and continue to learn. Phase one of learning is complete. That's my phase. My phase one is to look at as much film as I'm able, uh, to start peppering in podcasts, to hear from others that watch all of the film, and start forming my opinions here before the combine. Now, the NFL combine is phase number two. After phase number two, we will re-rank all the players according to what I've learned before the combine, according to what happens after the combine, We'll be back to talk about the rookie class again after that, who were the risers and fallers after the combine. Additionally, we'll get into the free agency talk because free agency is just right around the corner. So fun to see what the NFL does and which players are changing teams and what that means for other players on rosters. So stick with me during the offseason. Hope you'd be a dynasty freak. That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at Dynasty Freaks. That's Dynasty Freaks with two E's dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better communicating that way than I'm on any social media. Man, I'm an independent podcast, so I would be honored if you would take time just to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, after the combine, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.